0: Our scripture for this morning is Mark chapter 9, verses 43 to 48. As we continue to work our way verse by verse through the book of Mark together, this morning we come to Mark 9, 43, 48, 43 to 48. Once you've found that place in your Bible, I will invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. And if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell into the unquenchable fire, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell, and where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Let's take a moment to pray. Our God and Father, these are sobering words we come to this morning and we ask you that you would speak loud and clear to the people. God, that it wouldn't be the voice of this preacher that they hear, God, but that you would say what it is you desire to be heard. Give us ears to hear. God, give us minds to understand. Give us hearts, God, to embrace what you say. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We don't take sin nearly as seriously as we should. Sin separates us from God. Sin brings the wrath of God down upon humanity. Sin has filled God's world with violence and hatred, immorality and greed, disease and death. Listen, sin sends people to hell. God hates sin. I don't know if you know this, but God has a zero tolerance policy when it comes to sin. That's why He sent His Son to die. God hates sin. And as God's people, we should hate sin. And I want to tell you the sin you should hate most is your own, not someone else's, but your own. But I fear we have become desensitized to sin. You see, it surrounds us. Society is immersed in sin, even celebrates it. And I fear that that we've learned to just accept our sin. We see it as a reality. We can't do anything about, well, you know, it's just the way it is. We sin, and that's just the way it's going to be. And we've just kind of learned to live with it. We've learned to accept it. We've we've made peace with the fact that we sin. What I want to say to you today is that perspective is deadly. It's that very perspective that these verses address. A tolerance for sin in your life is the first step to what these verses call stumbling. scandalizo You hear the word scandal in there, that Greek word. And it means a falling away. It's like tripping over something. When you get to the place that you tolerate your own sin, that's the first step to falling away from Christ, to stumbling in your walk with God. I want to be very clear this morning on what the message of these verses is relaying to us. If you don't take sin seriously, if you don't go to war against your sin, if you become complacent in your spiritual condition and think that your sin is no big deal, you will go to hell. Last Sunday evening, we looked at Mark chapter 9, verse 42. And in those verses, if you remember, the Lord warns His disciple about causing others to stumble. He said, look, before you cause someone else to stumble, it would be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck and you'd be thrown into the sea. Well, now, in verse 43, the focus shifts. He's no longer talking about the danger of causing someone else to fall away. Now he's talking about the danger of causing yourself to fall away. In this section of Mark, if you've been with us, the disciples are learning that as followers of Christ, they must have humility. You may remember as they were walking along with Jesus, they were debating among themselves who was the greatest. And Jesus teaches them to be great in the kingdom is to put yourself last of all, humble yourself, and serve others. Humility gladly embraces the role of a servant. Let me tell you something else humility does in the life of a believer. Humility keeps you from thinking your sin is no big deal. What do I mean? Humility is what keeps you from thinking, oh, I could never fall away from Christ. Humility helps you to realize that you are not above stumbling in your walk with God. Humility reminds you that you are still very much a sinner in need of God's grace. The message today is this rid yourself of anything that might cause you to fall away from Christ so you don't go to hell. There are three things I want to show you that I pray will help us to understand and apply the message of these verses. Here's the first thing I want you to see. The real possibility of falling away. Verse 43, Jesus says, If your hand causes you to stumble, verse 45, if your foot causes you to stumble. Verse 47, if your eye causes you to stumble. He said these things can cause you to fall away from Christ. These things can trip you up in your walk with God. They can lead you into sin and ultimately lead you away from Christ. Your hand represents what you do. Your foot represents where you go. Your eye represents what you see or your desires. So here's the idea. Your hand can cause you to stumble. That speaks of engaging in any activity that could compromise your walk with God. Okay? He's saying it's possible that you can engage in activities that can trip you up in your walk with God. That can lead you away from Christ. Your foot speaks of going places where you'll be tempted to compromise your faith. For instance, you could find yourself amongst a crowd of people that you know are going to influence you away from Jesus. He's warning against finding yourself in places where you're going to be led away from Jesus, where you're going to be tempted to compromise Your walk with God and your eye, if your eye causes you to stumble. Here he's thinking about looking at things that stir ungodly passions in you. Ungodly desires in you. Things you see on TV, things you see on internet that are going to to take your heart and mind to places they don't need to go. Watching things that are contrary to your biblical beliefs. Let me give you an example. If you're in the habit of watching very progressive, very liberal-leaning news shows or listening to these very liberal-leaning radio talk shows, those kind of things can actually begin begin to lead your thoughts down an ungodly path. They can begin to cause you to think in ungodly ways. What are you doing? You're exposing yourself to things that can retrain the way you think, retrain your desires. This is the bottom line. If your eye causes you to stumble, your foot or your hand, Jesus is warning against anything that could lead you into sin and potentially cause you to fall away from the faith. Anything that could lead you away from your commitment to Jesus. It could be thoughts, thoughts. It could be your words, it could be action, any influence whatsoever, whether it's from within or from without. Anything you hear, anything you see, anything you do, any place you go, he is saying be aware of the possibility that there are things that could lead you away from Christ rather than leading you closer to Christ. And I want you to think about something. Think about who Jesus is not talking to. Jesus is not talking to Jewish religious leaders who reject him. We've seen a lot of them as we've studied Mark. But that's not who Jesus is talking to now. He's talking to the 12, his disciples. What's he saying? Even you are in danger of stumbling and compromising your commitment to me. Falling away from me. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. The apostle Paul says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. I enjoy kayaking. I like to bass fish from a kayak. Every year you'll hear about people dying, drowning, being out on a kayak. And I'll tell you why. Every time it's for the same reason. They weren't wearing their life vest. The first rule of kayaking is you never go without a life vest. Here's the problem. People think because they're good swimmers, they're in no danger. Everybody that drowns almost all of them would consider themselves good swimmers. And every kayaker who drowns, is going to be somebody who didn't think they needed to wear their life jacket because they thought they were a good swimmer. Here's, here's where I'm going with this. When you get to the place that you think you're okay and you don't have to worry about sin anymore, that's when you're in danger. I made a profession of faith in Jesus, so I don't have to worry about sin. We Baptist folk believe in what we call eternal security. But let me tell you this. The doctrine of eternal security does not mean that people who profess faith in Christ are in no danger of falling away from Him. That is not what it means. That does not mean that just because you walked an aisle, prayed a prayer, and was baptized, that you're guaranteed a place in heaven. That is not what we believe. And if you are in that place that you think there's no way you could ever fall away from Jesus, let me tell you, you are very much in danger. So notice the real possibility of falling away. Jesus brings this subject up because it is a possibility. If it wasn't possible, He wouldn't be discussing it. Here's the second thing I want you to notice. Not only the real possibility of falling away, but the prescribed remedy for falling away. He tells us what to do to keep from falling away. Notice verse 43 again. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Verse 45, if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It means to amputate. Verse 47, if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. That literally means to take it out and throw it away. This Greek word is the same word used to describe Jesus casting out demons or expelling demons, sending them away. He's saying if your eye causes you to sin, remove it from you. Now obviously these things are not literal. He's speaking metaphorically. He is not telling you to cut off your foot or cut off your hand or gouge out your eye. Why? Sin's a matter of the heart. Even if you cut your hand off, your heart's still sinful. It's metaphorical. What is the point? He's saying take whatever measures are necessary to rid yourself of anything that could lead you away from Christ. Take radical measures to separate yourself from the things that could cause you to compromise your walk with God. Anything that could put distance between you and Jesus, do away with it. Whatever you have to do, however painful it is, whatever drastic the measures have to be, get rid of it. You remember Genesis chapter 39? This is the story of Joseph. You remember Joseph's brother sold him into slavery? He was bought by a man named Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard. Joseph excelled. God blessed him. He became the head servant over all the household of Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife had a thing for him. She wanted him. He kept denying her advances. One day in the house, she caught them both together and not a lot of other people around so she made an advance on him and she grabbed him by his coat tried to get him to lie with her and he refused what did he do? He ran. He ran. This is a warning ladies and gentlemen against not taking your sin seriously. Joseph did the only thing he could do to stay out of a compromising situation, he ran. This is what the Word of God is telling us to do. When it says cut off the hand, cut off the foot, gouge out the eye, do whatever you have to to put yourself in a place where you're not compromised. I know a man who went to work out, still does, every morning very early while you and I are still in bed. He has always gone to a gym that's only about 10 minutes from home. Well, one day he changed gyms. He went to a gym that's about 35 minutes away, a lot more inconvenient. Why did he do that? Because there was a woman working out at the gym he went to that he found himself becoming attracted to. And he was married. What did he do? He went to another gym. Or perhaps as a woman who has struggled getting over an alcohol addiction. And she takes a route that's twice as long to go to work so she doesn't have to drive past the liquor store. Or a teenager who ends a relationship because she is being pressured to have sex. Do whatever you have to do. That's the point. Take whatever measures necessary to keep your relationship with Jesus intact. Listen, if the only way you can keep from watching pornography at home is to get rid of your internet, then get rid of your internet. If that's what it takes, get rid of your internet. Throw out your TV. If that's the only way you can keep from watching things that you know are going to influence you away from Christ, if you have to change jobs, then change jobs. If you have to change friends, then change friends. Do whatever you have to do to remove from yourself anything that could lead you to walk away from Jesus. You remember first Samuel, excuse me, 2nd Samuel chapter 11. Everything has gone so well for David until 2 Samuel chapter 11. The, the army is all out to battle where David should have been, but he didn't. He stayed home, and he's on the roof of his house, of his castle. And of course, his castle is a lot higher than all the other buildings, and he looks out, and there's a woman bathing on her rooftop, which was common. Because most people on the ground wouldn't be able to see her. And she's bathing, and her name was Bathsheba, and she was... Stunning, very beautiful. What should David have done in that moment? Run. Go inside. But he didn't. He didn't remove himself. He didn't gouge out his eye. That's what he should have done. And David's life went tragically wrong. Take whatever measure you can to remove anything and everything that would lead you into sin and away from Jesus. Here's the third thing I want to show you in these verses. I want you to see the terrifying danger of falling away. The terrifying danger of falling away. Why should we take such radical measures to avoid anything that would lead us into sin and away from Christ. Verse 43, second part of the verse. It is better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell, into the unquenchable fire. Verse 45, it is better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell. Verse 47, it is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell why do we take such radical measures to remove from ourselves those things that could lead us away from Jesus because we want to avoid hell well preacher what what he's really saying is what he's really saying is what he really said he said it's better to enter life lane. Or with one eye. Or with one hand. Now what does he mean life? What does it mean to enter life? In verse 47 he says to enter the kingdom of God. They mean the same thing. He's talking about eternal life in the presence of God. What you and I would commonly refer to as going to heaven. Having a, a relationship with God. Close intimacy with God that extends through eternity where you'll live forever in the new heaven, and the new earth, in the presence of God. He says it's better for you to enter the eternal, blessed, perfect kingdom of God, maimed, than it would be for you to remain fully intact and go to hell. In other words, whatever it costs you to keep sin out of your life, it's worth it so you gain heaven and miss hell. He speaks here of hell. The word is literally Greek, Gehenna. It's a description of what's called the Valley of Hinnom. It's a valley on the south side of Jerusalem where at one time in Old Testament history, they used to sacrifice humans, their children, in this valley, which God forbid. They sacrificed their children to Canaanite gods. And it it became a place that was associated with the curse of God. It became a garbage dump and over time the valley of Hinnom became a place that symbolized a place of divine judgment it, it was used to refer to the fires of hell reserved for the devil and his angels he, he describes it here in verse 43 and verse uh, yeah verse 43 as the unquenchable fire you see that unquenchable impossible to be put out it never stops burning matthew chapter 25 verse 41 then he will also say to those on his left depart from me accursed ones into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels that's what he's talking about when he mentions hell the eternal fire verse 48 He refers to a place where the worm doesn't die and the fire is not quenched. That's a verse quoted directly from the Old Testament. Isaiah 66, verse 24. And in that context, he's talking about the dead bodies of God's enemies lying on the battlefield, decomposing and burning. Fire and worms are things that both destroy. And they're used as symbols of divine punishment. They're not necessarily to be taken literally. He's talking about eternal divine punishment at the hands of God. Listen to what one Bible commentator said. As important as eyes, hands, and feet are to us or whatever else claims ultimate allegiance, they are not life, The kingdom of God is life and nothing in this life should be allowed to prevent one from entering the kingdom. The choice is literally between God's kingdom and the fire that never goes out. The point Jesus is making is nothing is worth going to hell over. Nothing. Whatever pain it costs you, to rid yourself of those things that lead you away from Christ. However hard it is for you to cut that sin out of your life and remain faithful to Jesus. Do it. The danger is not that if you commit one small sin, you're going to go to hell. That's not the danger. The danger is that when you begin to tolerate sin, when you get to the place that you don't take it seriously, it's the first step on a journey that can lead you away from Jesus. Matthew 7, 22 and 23. Maybe the most sobering verses in the Bible. Jesus said, Many will say to Me on that day, Lord, Lord, in your name we did not uh, did we not prophesy in your name cast out demons and in your name didn't we do many miracles and then I will declare to them I never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness People who profess to know Jesus even profess to do ministry in his name but Jesus said you did lawlessness you didn't cut the sin out of your life I don't know you. Depart from me. If you don't take sin seriously. If you don't go to war against it. If you are complacent and you think you're okay. And you think you don't have to take sin seriously. You will go to hell. I don't know how to say it any plainer than that. Now, let me tell you what I am not saying. I am not telling you that a person who is genuinely born again can lose their salvation and go to hell. I am not telling you that. What I am telling you is that if you tolerate sin in your life, if you're one of those people that you don't take sin seriously, you don't see any need to to struggle against it and to fight against it, you've made peace with your sin. You're complacent about your sin. I am telling you, if that's you, there is absolutely no reason to believe you are born again and you will go to hell. People who have been forgiven of sin and filled with the Holy Spirit, have a a spirit given, built in, something that makes you uncomfortable with your own sin. You can't make peace with it if you've got the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. I plead with you to take your sin seriously and what it says about your spiritual condition. Tolerating sin in your life is the first step the falling away from Christ. So what do we do? You use all the resources that God has given you to remove any obstacle that stands in the way of you following Christ faithfully. Think about the resources you have as a Christian. You have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You have the Word of God for wisdom and direction. You have the people of God surrounding you to encourage you and pray with you and help you. Listen, armed with these things, what I want to say to you is you can overcome sin and remain faithful to Jesus. You can. He's given you the resources. Listen, sinless perfection in this life is not possible, but faithfulness is possible. Are you hearing me? No, you can't be sinlessly perfect in this life, but you can have victory over sin and you can be faithful. God has given you the resources to do that. Here, here's the bottom line, folks. Rid yourself of anything that might cause you to fall away from Christ so you do not go to hell let's pray Father these are sobering words indeed but we dare not water down what the word of God says so plainly and so clearly God, I want to pray today for those who might be in here who are not genuinely, truly transformed by the Spirit of God, who have never genuinely repented of their sin and trusted in Christ. I want to pray for those people, God, that today this message would cause them to see their own sinfulness and that they would be willing to say from their hearts, Lord Jesus, I come to you for forgiveness. I trust you that you died for my sin, that you rose from the dead. I believe you are the Son of God. I turn away from my sin and plead for your forgiveness and salvation. God, I pray that in this very moment, those who have never made a profession of faith would cry out to you to save them. God, and I pray especially today for those who believe they are Christians but they have such a complacency about sin. They are so apathetic. They don't fight sin. They've made peace with it. They live in sin and they've just tolerated it. They don't have any real struggle against it. God, I pray that you would open their eyes to the reality that they are on the way to hell if they don't turn to Jesus in repentance. Oh, God. Please do a work in the hearts of your people in this very moment. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.